Paceline is produced by the Cycling Independent with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Emlin Robot Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Uh, dude, I got two words for you. Glug, glug. What? Explain. <sighs> We're just coming out of our second atmospheric river in fewer than five days, I think it is. Um... I'm, I, I, I know we need this, but you know, we don't need it all at once. You live on the second floor, don't you? <laughs> I, I do. I do. I do. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm not personally at risk, but man, I really would like, you know, just one lovely 75 degrees sunny afternoon to go for a ride. Oh, I mean, we had a nor'easter here yesterday. Yes, I. Um, uh, yeah, that that must be uh, having some sort of effect on your time on two wheels. It definitely is. It definitely is. Uh, although I will say, we got we were predicted. We were predicted. It was predicted that we would get uh, six inches of snow, and we got instead we got like an inch and a half of rain, followed by four inches of snow. Um, Three hours north of us, they got 32 inches of snow. Um, yeah, and I saw people riding road bikes up there a couple weeks ago, so, you know. Made of sterner stuff than I am. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although, you're made of some pretty stern stuff, as we guess we're going to find out a little later in the show. <laughs> I didn't even realize how stern your stuff was, but... Uh, yep. Yeah. We will get there soon. Why don't Why don't we go with yours first, though, since uh, that's right. our pattern? Yes. Today, I'm taking on a challenge from Shadow Producer John in Michigan. I bet it's I don't cold even where know if Shadow Producer is the right term anymore. Let's just go with Producer. Yes. He he gives good stuff. He gives good stuff. Unpaid Producer for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so he set out four kinds of rides. Uh, indoors alone, indoors as a group or a virtual group, mm -hmm. uh, outside alone, and outside in a group. Uh-huh. And asked, how do each of these scratch the cycling itch, and when is one mode preferred over another? Mm, mm. Uh, so I'll take them one at a time. First, indoors alone. Mm -hmm. I... I have a lot of friends who have the discipline for this. Uh, they're in the basement all winter laying down a base of fitness. For me, this is more of a desperation move. Uh, I have to be sort of mad at myself to get on the trainer. <laughs> and it works best if I've had the time to assemble a playlist of really over-the-top music. You would probably... I, I think... I think I and the audience need an explanation of your idea of over the top. Well, 
It's not Neil Sedaka. It's not Neil Sedaka. I would say my perfect trainer ride band is Lightning Bolt. Uh, so you can go and listen to Lightning Bolt and feel the energy of it. Um, that's what I listen to when I'm uh, when I'm on the trainer. I'll go down there. I'll turn the lights off. That's critical. Got to turn the lights off. <laughs> Climb on the bike and go for it. Um some of those sessions I end up enjoying because, well, sometimes, as the great philosopher John Cougar Mellencamp once said, love don't feel like it should. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes you sometimes you're like you're mad. I get on the trainer because I'm mad that my fitness is deteriorating and I'm mad at myself for not getting on the trainer sooner. And I'm just mad. So I go down there and I anger train for uh, an hour and I pummel myself into uh, some sort of uh, puddly uh, submission. Human uh, goo? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that was good. I should do that more often. <laughs> so that's indoors alone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I've only ever done indoors in a group in a spin studio. And I've only ever done that because my wife was a spin instructor and it was free and because there was a lot of snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. So this is not a, a, an area of my great expertise. Having said that, once I got past the bike not fitting very well relative to a quote unquote regular bicycle, I didn't hate it. Oh, OK, mostly I did hate the music, but <laughs> but that's a quibble. Says the guy who just quoted John Cougar. John Cougar Mel no, I know. Don't just ask it to John make Mellencamp. sense. Okay. Yeah. Don't ask it to make sense. What real cyclists, I put real in quotes. You can't see me doing the little bunnies uh, next to my face. Uh, <laughs> it's cute. Yeah. What real cyclists learn when they go to a spin class is that there are a lot of really strong people who just happen to ride to music inside. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, it's not the worst thing you can do, and because they do a lot of interval work, it's a good way to tune up your fitness. Mm. Like, like if my wife were still a spin instructor, I probably would have done a handful of sessions over the last couple months that would have stood me in good stead. Mm -hmm. And I do that goofy introvert thing where I kind of park myself on a bike in the back of the room and sometimes I will just hang a towel over my head. Um, I've not seen you know. that before. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's the ostrich. It's the ostrich play. I'm not in the spin class because you can't see me in the spin class. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm, I'm not embarrassed to be in the spin class. Don't, don't, I, I don't misinterpret. Um, Maybe you have some experience with virtual group riding via one of the current apps that you could op opine on here. Oh, I've, I've done some Zwift time. Um, and? Well, okay, so I went to the launch of Zwift at the Rafa Club in San Francisco some years back when they first said, you know, I got this email uh, from someone I knew and they're like, please come down and, and check this out. We've got this, you know, video game for, for, uh, trainers. And I drove down cause it was not a long drive, only about an hour for me. And, uh, I liked the people who were, you know, in touch and I had lots of friends, you know, colleagues, journalists who were going to be there as well. And I thought, you know, 
what's what's the worst that can happen? I'll go down and see some nice people. I had uh, my my appreciation for what I was about to encounter was uh, to use a word you first introduced me to asymptotic. It was truly oh, yeah. approaching zero. I I had no faith in this product. And when it came my turn to get on uh, the trainer and uh, pedal along to Zwift, I proceeded to turn myself inside out. Yep. I, I laid down an effort uh, that was entirely in response to the environment that I encountered on the screen in front of me. Um, and it elicited the hardest workout for me that I gave that week. I can say this because I remember for two or three days afterwards, I was a little bit wrecked. <laughs> well, this doesn't surprise me. I, I say that I have little experience with this, but I actually worked on a product in the middle 90s, which was networked exercise bikes with gaming monitors on them. Uh-huh. And we uh, I was part of the team that developed the software and although I take zero credit for the ideas, we made one particular game for these bikes uh which were sold to commercial gyms. Uh-huh. Um that was so fun that I would I and it you know we would wear heart rate monitors cuz it's an exercise bike. Mm-hmm. I I saw my heart rate over 205 beats per minute regularly. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I actually really loved that game and got good at it. Um, the equipment, uh, if you're wondering if it was so good, why didn't it last? Uh, the equipment cost like five grand per unit. Ooh. And gym owners were used to paying like eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars <laughs> per unit. Yeah. So we sold. I think we sold like five thousand of them. Uh, and it was, but it was super fun. And actually, when not even Zwift, but many of the incarnations came before, I was like, yeah, already done that. Already invent. You know, I was, I was <laughs> like, <laughs> too cool for school. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, the technology of the time could neither push enough pixels uh, nor be cheap enough. And actually, now I can understand why Zwift is successful. Yeah, uh, they they do. Uh, they do a wonderful thing. Uh, there are you know some others out there that I've tried, but Zwift. Um, that stuff's magic, man. It's magic. It's one of the I did a lot of research on why that sort of um, networked fitness is so compelling. And what's interesting is that if I put you in, and we'll get to riding outdoors in a group in a, <laughs> in a second here. But if I put you in a group ride, a conventional group ride uh-huh. that is, let's call it spicy, mm-hmm. you will look around that group and unless you know everyone bottom to top, their habits, their everything, you will be reticent to put the screws to them. Whereas if I put you in a virtual room with icons moving around in space, you don't 
humanize that icon and you will do everything in your power to crush them. I, I, that that is that is uh frequently true yeah okay so that is indoors in a group i very s- seldom if ever consider indoors in a group and there are logistical hurdles for me like i just don't have a zwift setup i don't feel compelled to do it because i just don't mm-hmm. that's not saying it's a bad thing to do i know a lot of people who like it and get fit that way Moving on. That brings us to Outdoors Alone. I wrote a piece about this earlier in the week for the site, so you could go read that. Uh, Patrick and I will just wait. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I think Outdoors Alone is maybe my favorite when it works, uh, which is to say when it goes well. Uh, Maybe I find some kind of flow or it's nice out and I get to just take that in at my own pace and in my own way. Um, I love bikes because they make me feel free and being alone also does that. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. as an introvert, this is kind of the peak, right? Like a (laughs) great solo ride is kind of the peak. But as I said in the piece that I wrote, it doesn't always go that way. And when it doesn't work, well, it's lonely and hard. Mm, mm. That gets us to outdoors in a group. Uh, which is also really, really good, uh, with a huge caveat being the size and makeup of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ride, I probably ride best in a group. Um, I take more risks because I'm not alone. Uh, I have more laughs usually in a group <laughs> than I do alone, although not always. Um, I go faster, uh, because there's, uh, Even on a low-key ride, there's a little bit of competitive friction. Um, It scratches the riding itch and the social itch, and it does it in a way that's compatible with my introverted preferences. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was a thing in the New York Times this last week about how to be friends with introverted people. Really? Yes. And one of the top things was to do activities with them so the social interaction didn't have to carry all the weight of the time together. Mm. Mm. Introverts do well side by side instead of face to face. It's not that we're bad at face to face necessarily, but we thrive kind of in side by sideness. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, truer words and all that. Uh the the last time i was uh you know actively going on first dates and whatnot i was trying to find opportunities where we could sit either on the same side or 90 degrees to each other as opposed to across the table uh, Mm. from each other um and and i just i knew that worked better for me but i couldn't tell you why it took some pressure off that's all i was able to say and yeah uh, long car drives with somebody. Um, I've had some of the best conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both, it both all staring out, out the window at the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, I mean, it explains a lot about how I manage my friendships mm. Uh, mm. and the events. The other thing that introverts love to do is cancel plans. <laughs> um, and that, <laughs> that checks Don't out comment. as well. <laughs> It was a real window into like, oh, that's why I green light these things and red light all of those. (laughs) 
I have a, I have a, a friend who is a musician. Uh, we're friends through another friend, but I think we both really like each other, but we're both introverted. And so the activity that we do to go together is we go to show uh, like music. Uh-huh. We go see music together, which means that there's like a tiny bit of chit chat at the beginning. And then there's, you know, two no hours interaction. Of, yeah. Two hours of face melting. <laughs> and then we compare notes about that after and hug and split up. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, uh, that's me. I think a great alone outdoors ride is just just a shade better than a really great group ride. Mm. I love to ride with my friends. I don't want to downplay that at all. Mm-hmm. But there's something um, there's something extra about the alone one, uh, especially if I'm in if I can get to some kind of flow state. Yep. Yep. Like my best ride last in 2022 was a solo ride I did at a at a it was a mountain bike ride at a place that is technically pretty challenging. And at the beginning, I had resolved to not take too many risks because I was alone, but I was so on it that day that I began just riding everything all the skinnies and every little technical rock switch back and drop off and everything. Mm. And by the end, I was as high as a kite. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, oh, well, I don't do actual drugs anymore. It's been like 30 years. So I don't know what that statement means, but I got as close to high as I get. I was just, uh, I was. It's a fair term. I mean, the neurochemicals that were surging through your system are, are the ones that plug into the receptors that would otherwise take the uh, possibly illicit drugs that you would otherwise be taking. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was buzzing uh, and excited about it for like three days after. Yeah, that's a that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a special thing. But as an addict, uh, I can tell you that it also begat the problem that addicts have where they're like, oh, I want to press that button again. And then I went back the following week and I started to ride and it didn't happen. Um, That well, yeah, that's the elusive mystery of flow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's your take? Which which are you a. Better in a group or better alone? So I, I recently, uh, um, forgive me, this is a, 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 a dog leg of sorts. Uh, I, I recently had a conversation uh, with someone uh, where John Cusack movies came up and <laughs> I proffered that Say Anything was his best film. And I was met with Gross Point Blank being his best film. Uh, and not just that it was his best film, but that it flat out is a better movie. Um, and you know, I, being the earnest guy I am, uh, I, I took on this, uh, this little, uh, analysis. And what I came up with was that I really love say anything for how earnest it is. Uh, I'm an awfully, sometimes unfortunately earnest person, Uh, Mm -hmm. and so that speaks to something kind of indelible in me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just, I love that film. Yeah. For how earnest he is, but gross point blank is a, a, a genius piece of absurdist humor. Uh, 
you know, a labor yep. union for, for assassins. Yep. Uh, is there a funnier idea, you know, that you can think of right now? I mean, it's a good movie and it has a better soundtrack. Yeah. In my opinion, although I think as a Peter Gabriel lover, you then stick with say anything anyway. I would argue the best John Cusack movie is Better Off Dead. <laughs> well, anyway, before we get too far afield. Oh, yes, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm for me, the the two are, are definitely outside. Um, mm-hmm. I, we're riding inside works for me in in increasingly uh or decreasingly it's really hard for me to do it anymore for a couple of different reasons one being just abject numbness um so my point being on on the outside is there are times where the perfect ride is alone and there are also times where the perfect ride is the group ride correct yes um some of the greatest experiences i've ever had in my life have been in groups um, and it's, it's, you know, yeah, I, it, it's given me flow states unlike anything else I could have, uh, you know, some of the best group flow experiences I've ever had have absolutely mm-hmm. been, you know, in small groups on the bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't trade those for anything. Um, but to say categorically one is better than the other, that's not that's not true for me. Um, they scratch different itches. Um, mm-hmm. and they are to me of equal value. Um, but which is going to scratch the current itch, you know, could be different on any given day. That's the sad right. thing there being that I have no group prides in my life currently. Oh yeah. You need to fix that. Yeah. Well, you need uh, to fix that so you can cancel your plans with them. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, (laughs) boy. Yeah. Uh, we just betrayed a whole lot of ourselves with that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Uh, 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 one of my roommates from a long time ago told me that you betray a lot more with your jokes than you do with your, um, not jokes. Hmm. Um, there's something for me to give some thought to and, and ponder its correctness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one closing thought. If you haven't tried Zwift, do it. It's, it's a really, really cool experience. Uh, my, my lack of time on a trainer, notwithstanding Zwift is pretty awesome. All right. Yeah. It's okay. an endorsement. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break and we will be back after a word from Shimano, right? That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> this podcast is brought to you by Shimano. I remember getting my first real road bike uh, in the middle 90s and the guy selling it to me Uh, His main pitch was that of all the bikes in my price range, this was the only one that had Shimano Ultegra components on it. And it was, I guess I wasn't really, I wasn't a a heavy 
I was a bike nerd, but I wasn't a gear guy at that point. And so I was kind of, this was my first introduction to the idea that Ultegra was somehow this gold standard in road components. And I kind of, you know, I'm a cynical guy. I'm a skeptical guy. And I, I sort of dismissed that out of hand. And then I rode the other bikes and I was like, oh no, I get exactly what that means. And it, it, it's never stopped meaning that. I've had so many Ultegra bikes uh, since then, and it's it really means something over a period of 25 years or, or whatever. Uh, it's more now. It's more like 30 to have made something that is the gold standard. Um, and so that's part of the reason we're proud to have them as a sponsor for the podcast. Okay, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. What's your pull? That thing where I said we revealed an awful lot of ourselves. Oh, it's going to get much worse. <sighs> so <laughs> my pull today is one that I'd rather not do. <laughs> I really don't want to talk about this, but I'm aware that if I don't, given my position, I'll have done our audience a disservice. <sighs> First, some backstory. So I had a vasectomy. Yep, that's where we're going, sports fans, uh, back in 2013. So it's been almost 10 years. Once we were finally able to bring our son Matthew home from the hospital following a 39-day stay, uh, I scheduled an appointment with a urologist because I wasn't making enough money to take any chances. Yep, that checks out. Yeah. Uh, the procedure for me involved a couple of injections of lidocaine, uh, two incisions, two snips, uh, some cauterizing, you know, seeing smoke rise from yep. your junk is, um, mm -hmm. yep. yeah, Seen uh, it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and this would be the crucial bit, the installation of two tiny titanium clips meant to serve as a, a, a mechanical insurance plan to make sure my body didn't happen to repair itself. Mm. I, I've heard that they can sometimes do that. Uh, I've heard that also. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, that's enough for me. So uh, as it happened, my vasectomy got sideways a few weeks in. I think you may remember that. Mm -hmm. uh, I developed edema, uh, popped a stitch, discovered pink sheets one morning and spent a month giving myself sponge baths. Lucky me. If in, in case in case listeners thought they had had too much information already. Go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, fast forward 10 years and I'm out for a ride in the rain last week and I begin to feel some irritation. Uh, well, down there. Yeah. Now, let me go ahead and admit that in the intervening 10 years since my procedure, I've had a few incidents of, oh, ow, don't do that again. Um, I made a few attempts to shift and rearrange, but things didn't really improve much, but I thought, ah, I'm close to home. Big deal. Well, I get home and in part courtesy of one titanium clip, I had the worst chafing I've ever suffered in my considerable life. The difference between the discomfort I felt on the bike and the utter pain I felt when I removed my tights was greater than I thought possible. I didn't think that, you know, this, this, uh, noticeable irritation could become, wow, I think I'm just going to sit here for a little bit. Mm. Uh, 
I had no idea I'd suffered anything that could make me squirm in the shower. Mm. Uh, so my appeal here is uh, to a fair, fairly narrow band of our audience. Uh, and that would be all the men listening who may yet be contemplating a vasectomy, though I suppose also anyone who knows a man considering uh, said procedure. I suspect we've all experienced some chafing of one sort or another. Uh, what made mine so notable was the fact, and I'm not going to get graphic here, uh, but I was able to discern that the injury was um, both internal and external. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so from my subsequent research, uh, I found that there are three major ways that vasectomies are performed. Mine was uh, apparently pretty old school. Two incisions, uh, you know, snipping the vas deferens, uh, doctor cauterized the ends and then added those two titanium clips. For anyone unfamiliar with these, they are used in a variety of kinds of surgery and come in many different sizes. Um, they are small enough that they don't set off metal detectors at airports, I can verify. I have sometimes wished they would. Uh, I guess we all have our antisocial sure. moments. Sure, sure. <laughs> The big thing I've learned is that for traditional vasectomies, the clips are being used less and less. I think a better approach would be not at all. Uh, I really don't know why they were used in mine, and I've only found a very few friends who have them at all. Uh, also, my doctor knew I was a cyclist. He loved to ask me about Lance Armstrong. <laughs> I swear. Sweet. Um, uh, and, you know, so he had some awareness that these could maybe be possibly an issue for me in a way they wouldn't for most people. Can I just rewind briefly to to um, point out the irony of him asking you about Lance, who has himself ha had s some procedures in that area? But go yep, on. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, so. I guess what I need to say here is that my pull is short on encouragement and context and long on strong opinions and advice, uh, which is maybe not my normal approach. If you or anyone you know is planning a vasectomy, tell the doctor no clips, no titanium in my junk. Uh, I've been off the f bike for five days now as a result of this. Mm. Uh, if all goes well, I will get in a ride this afternoon, uh, there will be another, <clears throat> uh, inspection, uh, yep. before doing this. Yeah. Uh, John, please tell the people something funny and or encouraging. Um, well, having children can be rewarding. <laughs> How is that? How did I do? <laughs> uh, I I mean, uh, the, the encouraging part was, was really good. The relevancy part that the relevancy score was maybe not so hot. Well, I've had this procedure performed also. I did not get the clips, uh, and I've had zero trouble long-term as a bicycle riding human person. Uh, so the good news is that if you follow Patrick's, um, vehement advice, uh, you'd be all right. Uh, and it's a good thing to do. It's a good procedure to have um, our partners uh, with whom we 
have children or don't uh, have plenty on their medical plate already. And this is one small way uh, that those of us with the other equipment can step up and do a helpful thing. Absolutely agreed. Yes, uh, very absolutely agreed. I was happy to get this done, even if my experience was. uh, (sighs) None of this has been really all that great for me Uh, in the moments where it's not occupying my attention. It's fine. But if for some reason it enters my consciousness, generally it's because something about it's not going well. I mean, this reminds me a lot of um, going to the mailbox and pulling out an envelope that's from your the whoever made your car. And it says important recall information. And most of the time I'm like, I bet this is not important recall information. And it's something like the plastic clip on the whatever can sometimes (laughs) whatever. So they're covering their butts legally. But then sometimes you open it and you're like, this is not going to be important. And you read it and you're like... Your brakes will fail and you will die in a fire. And I feel like that's the envelope you got this week. Um, the recall. I, the re- mm. You don't want to recall on your vasectomy. Yeah, 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 yep, yeah. I mean, it, it, truly the worst part of all this is not, it was not the pain that I suffered upon uh, pulling the tights away from myself. Um uh, which was worse than actually getting in the shower. Uh, it's it's every time I think about, I am currently talking to a doctor about reopening my body to yeah. remove those things. Yeah, it's not and awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I am. I am not thrilled. Uh, well, hopefully that's a quick thing because when you have a major recall on your car, you have to leave it overnight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Not sorry that I'm not helping. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's fair. I I mean, bringing a little levity to such a a, a high scoring yuck factor is uh, certainly welcome. Yeah. Well, it's like Steve and I uh, say over and over again on on revolting. Uh, if you're not laughing, you're crying, and so laughing is better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the the last web page I went to regarding all this stuff made me cross my legs. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I promise whatever update I, I bring will be brief. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Although I've enjoyed this, I'll be honest. All right. Okay, well, shall we move, move on, on to baseline picks? picks? Yes. Yes. All right. This week I'm picking the the tried and true cliff block. Mm. Uh, which I've used for years, uh, both running and riding, hiking as well. Uh, what I love about the cliff blocks is that they're sweet, but not too sweet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they chew and swallow easily when I'm tired, mm-hmm. which is most of the time. <laughs> uh, they come in enough flavors that I'm not eating the same ones all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're easy to carry. Mm-hmm. Uh because they come in these tiny bites, it's easier to bleed calories into my system, which is especially good when my stomach is upset and I'm trying to kind of find my legs again. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, my all time favorite flavor, which I believe is discontinued now, is ginger ale, uh, mm. which was the easiest on the digestion and tasted great. Mm. Man. Are, yeah. Anyone from Cliff listening? 
hit me up if you've got a backroom supply. Uh, if I had one quibble with cliff blocks, it's the package isn't the easiest to open sometimes. <laughs> so like yep, yep. when you get it just right, the plastic sleeve becomes like a Pez dispenser for calories. Mm-hmm. When you get it wrong, you end up with plastic bits in your teeth and an extrusion device, not unlike the Play-Doh Fun Factory. <laughs> Which is awesome as a concept, but gets real frustrating when you're running from the man with the hammer. You know, when you like really desperately need those uh, calories in your mouth and you're squeezing the tube so hard that it becomes like a different shape as it as it enters your mouth. That's not great. (laughs) Uh, Uh, You know, a a little a little pro tip. Uh, Gary himself of Cliff, uh, prior to a ride, he would estimate how many tubes that he would go through. And he yes. would take scissors and just snip them off and then stick them in a jersey pocket, ready to dispense. I buy that, but then I end up really with jersey lint all over them, which I suppose when I'm tired is a better option than... Um, Unavailability? Than, than the Play-Doh Fun Factory, yes. <laughs> uh, another th- positive is that some of them have added caffeine, uh, which is, <laughs> happens to be my drug of choice, so mm-hmm. that's cool. Uh, you can get... An 18 pack of these things for $52.49. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's coming directly from Cliff. Uh, link in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. Well, my pick this week uh, is our, I struggle this with shorts. Our, bib, uh, our bibs, singular yeah, or plural? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Primal Wear Helix 2.0 bib shorts. I have a few reasons for picking these. Uh, Number one, or A, uh, they are well-made and feature excellent quality materials. The Vero fabric on which most of the short is cut, uh, if not the entirety, uh, has some real heft to it and provides uh, pretty awesome uh, compression. Uh, Some of the styles are currently on sales. uh, Some of those for as little as $90. And my big reason is that the Helix bibs feature Primal's HX8 chamois, which is uh, one of the very thickest pads I have ever encountered in bib shorts. Uh, And it's really firm, so you don't get the weird chafing that can happen with a a thick pad that is soft. Mm. Thick and soft, not the way to go. Yeah. Thick and firm. mm -hmm, Yeah. Good stuff. Gonna let all uh, that just go right by. Go on. Yeah, they also have a really talented team of graphic designers these days who no longer seem like deranged graphic novel illustrators. Right. Yeah, that's been a, a big uh, positive net change for them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they uh, were they were pigeonholing themselves. Uh, yeah. Previously. Yeah, it took some while. I think uh, it took a while for them to kind of dig out of that reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't know another brand that started more modestly than Primal, uh, and has improved their quality as much, uh, over the years of their growth. But Primal is not the brand they were back in 1995, not remotely. Uh, and it's been a fun thing to watch. I, I, I want to say something quickly before we go about the prices of things. 
mm. because $90 bib shorts for a, a good quality pair of bib shorts, 90 bucks is not a lot of money. Um, but those yep. $90 bib shorts were maybe 75 bucks last, last year or the year before. So there's been a real, uh, a real spike in the cost of things lately. Um, well, and there are I, a lot of good reasons, like va- valid reasons for that. I just want, I just want to kind of put this out there because I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, you hear about what a thing costs now and you're like, what? That's what it costs now? Um, I could have sworn two years ago I got it for whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, shipping costs have certainly spiked. Um, there's, there's just a lot, uh, a lot of companies have invested in diversifying their supply chains because they got caught out during the pandemic, mm-hmm. not being able to get things from a specific factory. Um, whether that's, uh, that's certainly true with things that are made offshore, um, but even domestic suppliers have tried to diversify their uh, supply chains, and uh, that has led to some added costs as well. But I think it's it's for the best for the long term. Yeah, uh, Primal's interesting because earlier early in their days, all their clothing was actually made by Volet. Mm. Uh, they were Volet's single biggest client, and it was done very quietly. But you could tell from the tags and the jerseys and the and the shorts. Um, I figured that out long before they were willing to admit it. Uh, what I will say is that these days, uh, Primal actually has their own factory overseas. I believe it's in China, but I'm not positive about that, or at least I no longer recall. Uh, and the the bib shorts that I've recommended, the I believe the normal retail price on these is like 170. This is a really high quality pair of bibs. Yeah. Um, and uh while I can't say whether or not the price has gone up uh, in the last year or two, I mean, they were, they've been a premium quality without an insane price. Uh, you know, not the $400 of some also spibs, right. uh, but still below 200, which is good. Um, you know, I, they've done a nice job. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, a t- I mean, for $90, uh, these things are almost a steal at that price. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a highly technical piece of clothing that you're going to have for years. Yeah. I, I, I gave up on spending less than a hundred dollars for a pair of bib shorts. I don't know, around 2000, <laughs> 2003, somewhere yeah. in there. I just, yep. you know, uh, that was, yeah. The early two thousands, a good pair of bibs was like $125. Right. You know, <laughs> those days are gone. Yes, they are. Except briefly right now uh, at the Primal site. And we will include a link. Alrighty, that's a wrap on another episode of The Pace Line. Uh, John, what are some of the interesting stories we've got currently on TCI? Um, well, we have um, a John Rizel piece up about the Oregon Epic this week. That's a good one. Ooh. Um if you've not listened to The Long Way Home, the new mm-hmm. podcast, that's good. I did, speaking of um, Cliff Blocks, I did a useless review of carbs uh, <laughs> for the site this week, which some people found amusing. Um, uh, so, yeah, I got some good feedback on that. Thanks, Mom. And... Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a real, it's a real, uh, it runs the gamut over there. We do heartfelt things. We do uh, less, we do uh, jocular, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. even churlish uh, for comedic effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for pa- uh-huh. any of you out there who are just listeners, get reading. Yeah. It's good for you. Yeah, but that's also why we created The Long Way Home was in case people just don't have the time for reading or or the the visual attention span. Yeah, we'll just read it to you. Yeah, yeah, there like we go. Like a bedtime but, story, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, only hopefully we don't make anybody sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This... <laughs> I, 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 love, I love things that make me sleepy. Uh, I appreciate them. Yeah, well, this would be where we ask you to subscribe if you have not already. Go ahead. Click that button now, he says. Send us some questions. Uh, John in Michigan shouldn't be the only one. Um, please drop by the Cycling Independent and just put a suggestion in the comments or any, any other way you have to reach us. Uh, and as mentioned, if you haven't already, check out our other podcasts, Revolting, which lives up to its name in some ways, but is still very entertaining. Um, and we are now three episodes into our new podcast, The Long Way Home. Uh, the latest one being uh, John's uh, John's by accident. Yeah, um, it was my first attempt. So be kind. Uh, I hope you like it. <laughs> uh, Alrighty, maybe consider leaving a review wherever it is you find us. It makes it more likely other people will listen in. Constructive criticism is also accepted. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.